What up, Long Beach? Sometimes you can just speak things into existence. And uh, that's what we've done here. Because Long Beach football teams have great draws in the CIF Southern Section playoffs that are coming up this week and next week. Long Beach, Poly, Milliken, and Lakewood all in action. We are going to have all of the buildup, preview, information, everything you need for those games going to be available at the 562.org, which is myself, JJ Fiddler, obviously Mike Artabasio, Tyler Hendrickson, also on the show. And guys, you are going to have to deal with me for the next two weeks. <laughs> Because about a month ago, I walked into uh, the post-game workroom for us at the562.org spouting how Polly would, and I say would, play <laughs> Los Alamitos High School in the Division I CIS Southern Section playoffs, mostly because I just needed it in my life. And we spoke it into existence. Long Beach Polly, Los Alamitos, at Veterans Memorial Stadium on Veterans Day, November 11th. They both get the bye through the first week, and we will see them in two weeks. And good God almighty, if visions of Deshaun Jackson dancing in my head won't keep me up tonight, it certainly should be keeping up Griffin fans. Let me um, let me say this. You know, J.J. Fiddler is like a brother to me. I tried to head this off a little bit in the past by giving him credit on Twitter, and I didn't give him, I didn't give him enough credit for his liking because I said that you said it would be fun, and, and you pointed out that what you said was that it will happen. Uh, this was like many J.J. predictions. It was based on no data or facts whatsoever. It came straight from the heart, and if he got it wrong, you wouldn't be able to make it stick on him because you'd be like, oh, yeah, I was just talking shit. And if he gets it right, then we fucking need to bend the knee like it's Westeros. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's how I bet on uh, it's how I bet on sporting events. And it's, not, <laughs> and it's how I get on my friend's nerves. It works both ways. It was it's every uh, Dusty Baker managerial decision, just straight from the gut through the toothpick and right out. But I got to say, I'm glad you made the prediction. Don't threaten us with a good time, JJ, because that sounds phenomenal. And it's great that we can put that on the calendar. And I think CIF is probably pretty stoked about the matchups that shook out here where they, you know, they're not massaging anything. It's, it just goes the order of the rankings that have been public with Cal preps. So to get a matchup like that, along with some of the others that are, that are already on the board, I mean, what a, <laughs> what a windfall, right? I mean, cause that, that game has so much significance in this community um, you know, as someone who grew up here going to poly games and Los Al games at Vets, games against each other, they have obviously met in the playoffs recently. Um, there's plenty of, you know, <laughs> uh, cross-pollination as far as uh, talent and where kids live and traveling to the, the schools and everything. So, um, yeah, what a, what a great, awesome first-round matchup. But it's great because we get a whole week of football playoffs before we even get to that game. Yeah, let's talk about, we can kind of go in order, but let's obviously, you know, the bulk of the conversation about Division One when you're on social media. And I think this Poly Losau game, you know, let's just start by saying this, by just focusing on the team and we can talk about the bracket. Um, this is where they belong. They're supposed to be in Division One. They have a Division One roster full of talent. Um, the Division Four championship last year, we made the argument on this podcast, I'll make it forever. That's a championship. That counts as a championship, absolutely. But... For all the Poly fans who responded to that bracket and that championship with, hey, this is the best program in the history of the state of California. They should never be in Division Four for any reasons, human or computer generated. You are correct. This is what is supposed to happen. This bracket draw felt emotionally 
correct. This is what it's supposed to be. Cal High Sport should be tweeting about. Wow, Polly Losal, that's the matchup of the first two weeks. I should be texting with people who work for Bally Sports saying, I'll see you in two weeks, and them sending me back the Bart Scott, can't wait, Jif. Like, this is what high school football in Southern California is supposed to be like. And I'm really, really happy to see that's the case. We got it's uh, the only thing I can hear is Raul Lara in, in the back of my head. It's an old school quarterfinal event. <laughs> 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 that's, basically, I mean, that, that, that it does sort of just kind of feel like the, the old days. And Mike, to your point, I, I think that Polly's resume in last year and in previous recent seasons didn't dictate them being in Division One. But certainly they do now. I mean, they're undefeated. And obviously that win over Mission um, just below them. Mission Viejo just below Long Beach Poly in that five uh, that five spot in Division One. But yeah, I mean, this for all the talk about the new divisions, the, the, the super teams in the Trinity League and all that, it, it's great that we were able to circle back to have these public high schools on display. They'll go head to head. And I, can we fill vets? That's the only thing. I just... It's going to be such a hyped up matchup. Those sidelines are going to be nuts. There's going to be like 35, 40 cameras at all times on those sidelines. So it's definitely going to be a scene. I can't wait. Can we can we first touch in a little bit on the bracket since we spent the last two months talking yes. about what we yes. thought the Division One bracket was going to be? And I know there's a lot of ways to look at it and be like, cool, we've got it. It's the teams we think that should be in there. It's the top 10, which makes sense if you're doing a poll of the top 10 throughout the year. makes sense that you would just put 10 in there. There's buys, so that kind of throws a little bit of a wrinkle in there. Modern day, Poly, Losal, Corona Centennial, Mission Viejo, and St. John Bosco all moving into that second round, quote-unquote, the quarterfinal round of Division I. Uh, I, I will say we said first – I think it was actually two months ago. We said why not just take Bosco and Modern Day out let them play their championship for the quote unquote national championship or whatever the open championship for the Southern section, let everybody else go at it. Right. That makes sense. We also said, Oh, it's really interesting that Polly and mission Viejo and Centen are all up there. So it really isn't the private schools. Well, Modern Day is going to play a Trinity League team in the quarterfinal. They will face the winner of Santa Margarita and Jay Sarah. And St. John Bosco will likely play Orange Lutheran, a Trinity League team that's taking on Edison. Now, Edison's very good. Edison could definitely win that game. But you could see... I'd have Edison in that game. But you could see two Trinity League matchups in the quarterfinals while you see the best GD public school matchups you could think of it's corona centennial and mission viejo and long beach poly and los alamitos gosh dang it do i want that poly losal and centen mission viejo games to be uh semi-finals in division one while the trinity league goes off and play their plays their thing i think we will be talking in three weeks because poly's going to win this game I think in three weeks, we're going to be talking about, yeah, man, it'd be really great if Polly didn't have to play Modern Day right now and Mission Viejo didn't have to play St. John Bosco. But <laughs> that's a fair point, JJ. But I will say this as an interesting thing. We will have in these semifinals, based on exactly what you laid out, we will have a private school versus a public school. We True. think it's going to be Modern Day and Bosco. And because we know kind of how the results have already played out for them specifically like you said with modern day they're going to get a rematch with a league opponent that they uh comfortably beat so um so that'll be interesting to see the the public private on full display and this will kind of give us with all the talk about should they be in these brackets is it fair 
I mean, it's, it's certainly tough for the teams that are going to have to play Bosco in modern day as they get a bye and you have to play a playoff game only to then walk in and play them on the road. That's obviously pretty tough, but we're going to get a really good look and to go forward and say, what should these brackets look like? Are these teams in a different, you know, stratosphere? Um, because we're going to get them head to head, public versus private. Let's see how the games go. And, you know, hopefully they are competitive. Obviously, we want to see competitive football games, but we can acknowledge that the talent level on these teams is different than what we usually would see from a high school team. Mike, you, you think overall they nailed it, right? Like if you were to give the CIF Southern Section slash Cal Preps rankings a grade, it's got to be at least an A minus. Well, yeah, and let's start with the discussion of the bracket. This, the, the, under the new format, as you guys have pointed out, the CIF has no say in what order the teams are in. The only say that they have is, really, how many teams are in Division One. That's basically the only thing that they're deciding. And they had a couple of different difficult questions, like that number has gone from 4 to 8 to 10 to 12 to 16, in what our reporting and other people's reporting had been hearing from the commissioner's office, right? Um, if you go 16, there's some challenges to that. The bottom six teams in that division don't belong in that division, right? Maybe the bottom eight. If you go eight team, which is what they did last year, you are handing number nine and 10, the top two spots in, <laughs> in division two. They did not want a three-way tie for second place or for third place in the Trinity league to have one of those teams as the number one team in division two. And they're right to not want that. I don't think that would have been anything anyone would have called competitively equitable. What they did with a 10 team bracket, in my opinion, that I like this a lot is they solved a number of problems. First of all, the buys are inequitable. The two best teams in the state of California have a buy. However, if they had played, <laughs> if they had played, the 15 and 16 teams, that's not, like uh, that's, I mean, come on, man. We <laughs> covered, uh, we look, we covered Bosco for a number of years. We still have a lot of friends over there. Those first round games, when they, when it was a full bracket, that's a waste of everybody's time. Laughable. Like, they were and laughable. And especially the teams that are playing them. So now seven through 10, is it inequitable that you're going to play a game this week and then go play Bosco on modern day? Sure. But you get to play a winnable playoff game in the division one playoffs. And that's, if you're seven through 10, that's a hell of a lot better than what your draw had been. Honestly, not just under this new format, but previously. So I think that that they solved that problem. The thing that I didn't like when there had been a lot of talk about a 12 team where the top four teams got a buy was what's the difference between Los Al at four and Poly and mission Viejo at five and six. Those teams have had very similar seasons their rankings are just like 0.1, 0.2 apart. And the idea of Polly playing an Inglewood or a Santa Margarita this week while Los Al was on a bye, and then Polly playing Los Al, that really bothered me quite a bit. That just did not seem fair in the slightest to me. And not just because we don't cover, not just because we cover Polly, it just didn't seem like it made sense. Polly was four going into the last week of games. And I wouldn't have thought it was fair for Polly to have a bye while Los Al played somebody and then to play against each other. They're basically the same team in these rankings. So they should have the same path in that regard. So what I think makes sense was the top six teams, there's a really big fall off after those top six teams. And so it makes sense to me that seven through 10 are the ones playing this week. And I love that we get to just chalk it up on the board. As you pointed out, it's five public schools, five private schools in the, in the 10 team division one. That's great. 
The storylines are great. The games are great. And it's great for us as people in the media, as well as great for the teams to get to hype this up for two weeks. There's going to be a lot of people at vets on November 11th. But the fact a that lot. they get to start selling Better tickets, be. the fact that they get this, both teams get to start selling tickets for it two weeks out, that's huge. I mean, I, you know, that is really, really big. And so, yeah, I think that they they nailed this. I just don't think, and, and we talked a lot about these rankings, JJ. I don't really think you could look at the one through 10 and particularly disagree with the order. And I don't think you could particularly disagree with what the CIF decided to do here. I think it's the most fair for the most number of teams. And I think when you look at division two, you look at what we all wanted out of division two, which is a competitive, pretty wide open bracket um, where Sarah and Ingle would have a chance to win it. You know, the top teams have a chance to win it, but it really could be any number of teams competing there. And I think that's when you're putting it together, that's what you want, because at the end of the day, Everyone talks about football way more than they talk about any other sport. And everyone talks about division one way more than they talk about any other division. So this is really the thing. And I do think that they honestly nailed the hell out of it. Yeah, I, I have to agree because it's a super tough challenge uh, facing them. And I, I think this, this ended up, if you just look at the matchups we're getting, how can you, how can you really argue with it? It's funny, Mike, you were talking about, you know, you can't really argue with the order of division one of those 10 teams. I think the one area where you could maybe, you know, kind of make an argument back and forth and it was kind of one of the last jumps to happen was Polly versus LaSalle four five, considering, you know, Polly's undefeated. They have the best win at mission, but <laughs> if you're Polly, literally the only difference between being, <laughs> the four seed and the five seed is that you're on the opposite sideline at the same stadium. And then if you do happen to win against Los Al, now you're hosting modern day because you were the road team and you don't have to go uh, to a coin flip. So actually you'd rather be the five seed given the matchup and all the things surrounding it. So just kind of a funny observation. Uh, real quick, real quick, before we get to a, a mailbag question, you know, we're going to break this game down. We're definitely going to have a full podcast dedicated to this game next week because that will be the week of poly Sal. we're talking about it but it won't can we do a live show at, can we do a live show at poly practice next week jj i see no reason why we shouldn't do that that's a great idea who's I bringing the that. tommy's fries <laughs> i love that um yeah so uh so when you see this or when i said it two months ago or when you think about this game and it came across <laughs> your uh came across your hold, your on, hold on hold on hold on i love that every time you tell this story it's good like by the end of the playoffs you. you're gonna be like digging up a time capsule that you buried in 2019 as it was written by JJ Fiddler three years ago. I'm, I'm really happy you picked up on that so early, Mike. I'm re- I, hey, listen, hey, listen, I learned from the best. Okay. <laughs> Exposes time stamped, uh, time stamped uh, lower back tattoo of uh, prediction. <laughs> um, so when you think of the game, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Like, I think you made a great point, Mike. This is what high school football should be, right? You think of it, it's like a local matchup. Two schools that are very close, but very far away in terms of demographic and history and all of that stuff. Like, that, that is, hits with me. Um, I also immediately think about the history. We're going to talk a lot more about this next week, like I said. But, uh, the, you know, when I came to Long Beach to go to Long Beach State, I picked up one great game uh, by Don Wallace about Polly playing De La Salle. That was 2002. By the time I was trying to break in as a sports writer here in the city, that's 04. So that 04 championship game between Deshaun Jackson's Polly Jack Rabbits and Los Alamitos, to me, was one of those moments where I was like, I want to go to there. 
I want to be involved in whatever the hell that is because it looks like the version of every high school dream I ever had tried to live, failed at living, but now I want to get back into it. So like seeing this on the bracket just made like an 18 year old. I still want high school football to be a part of my life. JJ. So damn excited, man. So damn excited. I don't know. What did you guys think? I don't have anything better than what you just said, to be completely <laughs> honest. No, I mean, to be honest with you, because I, I, when you were sort of explaining that to us, I, I just I thought that was so perfect um, because I do think, you know, look, I, I said on a, a different podcast I'm on. I, it wasn't until I got to college that I understood that like Snoop Dogg was more famous than uh, Daz Dillinger and Nate Dogg. Right. Like in Long Beach, we have this sort of bubble where it's like, oh, Polly LaSalle, like that's a big one. But I don't think I think you actually have a better sense not having grown up here of the larger significance of rivalries like that, to be completely honest with you, Um, because especially in the time period that Tyler and I grew up like it literally I don't think would have occurred to anyone that probably wouldn't be one of the top two teams in Southern California ever at any point. Whereas for you from outside of the area, you can kind of see the rises and falls maybe a little more clearly, you know. Um, I definitely think about that championship game, which I think Tyler's got better stories about than, than me. So I would just say, like, I, I think it, it's everything you talked about in terms of that significance. And I did just want to throw in, before I kick it to Tyler, a plug that um, they are actually republishing uh, the greatest game uh, for the 20th anniversary by Don Wallace. Uh, and he uh, will join us, I think, next week. Let's do a live show at Poly Practice. We can have some kids and coaches on. But um, Don's already said he'll hop on. We can pre-record an interview with him talking about that re-release. They have a new audio book coming out of it as well. Um, so I think that would be great because if you look at the things that have changed in high school football, that book, in my opinion, is much more significant than it was when it came out 20 years ago. That Pauly oh, Davis out game facts, dude, really facts. started the modern era of high school sports. Um, it was the first nationally televised high school sporting contest. It was the first time you had a number one and a number two playing, which, as you guys have mentioned, we now have in the Trinity League basically every year with Bosco and Modern Day. Um, And it was the first time that I think everyone saw, hey, you know, these regional rivalries are cool. Hometown pride is cool. But what if you put two unbelievably talented teams together and had them play? That's pretty cool, too. (laughs) Right. So I, I would love to. I know Don's thought quite a bit over the last 20 years. And he's a good voice on it because he's not a high school football. I mean, he's a he's a proud poly alum, but he's not like in love with high school football. He's a different he's a writer of larger topics who just kind of happens to have this perfect story. Um, And so, yeah. But anyway, let's 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 do that. Two weeks uh, before the poly Los Al game, we'll do it. We'll do a show at poly, but we'll have an interview with Don as well that I'll get set up for this week. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I thought that was a perfect perfect reference to that book that did shadow uh, foreshadow a lot of the stuff that's happened in the last two decades. Yeah. And I think Mike, you made a great point about the, sort of the, the broader picture um, and seeing that the the landscape of high school football, but you know, cause growing up here, like I, how, how outrageous that I would have the chance to drive like five minutes from where I grew up to go right. watch a national championship high school football game you know like when I was in middle school like so you just grow up with like oh that's just what we have access to because Long Beach is just a really cool uh sports community obviously um but yeah that that 04 game that that we've talked about in that CIF championship Deshaun Jackson that's got to be one of the best uh single performances in a championship game I mean he just did everything (laughs) you know similar to how Herman Ho-Ching at the Coliseum single-handedly um, beat modern day more or less. Um, 
Deshaun was the same way. I mean, obviously a, a tremendous um, poly team going up uh, against a very, you know, I'll, I'll call it a different Los Al program. Can we, we can say that a lot has changed in the 18 years for Los Al football um, from, from what they were in 04 to what they are now. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious to say, but, um, but definitely just a, a consistent solid rivalry between local teams and so many great players that have gone through those programs. So we know that the next generation is going to be on the field. Like there are multiple, what would you ballpark it as the number of like professional football players that are going to be on the field for Poly Los Al? Well, I just, I just think I just think if you look and, you know, the Bally sports coverage obviously has been pretty recruiting focused um, in some of their broadcasting. Like you will you will have more than, any, you know, just about any other public school matchup you could have when either offense or defense is on the field. You will have a just a host of big time recruits. Um, and I think that's part of what's so exciting. I talked to Barbie. I, t- I talked to probably coach Stephen Barbie just before we hopped on. And I and I told him, I said, look, I, you know, you know, you and I are on the same page about the Division four championship. Like he and I have talked about it quite a bit on and off the record. Um, And I said, but when you took this job, you said there's, this is one of those two or three jobs in the state that just means something different. It just, it means something to be the head coach of the Long Beach Poly football program. And I said, I know you weren't talking about playing with St. Francis in the CIF championship when you said that. And he said, no, like Poly Los Al is one of those games that when you say it, it, it evokes something. It means something. It's, you know, two public schools who've been on the national map for, for decades. And, um, and I think that all of that is, uh, is, is right there for sure for him and for the players on both sides and for me, but that was his other point is it's not just like, Oh, Polly and LaSalle happen to be playing each other. It's both teams have a highly ranked quarterback. Both teams have all American skill players. Both teams have division one uh, prospects at running back and at, you know, on up front on the line. So I think that that talent rich thing is a big part of this. And, and, you know, that more than the name brands of the school is why Bally sports is like, yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll see you on the 11th. So what we've asked so many times on this podcast that we release every week is that we get some interaction and wouldn't you know it high school football playoffs have forget the most interaction we could get. So Mike, we've got some uh, mailbag stuff. Yes, our guy, uh, uh, Hank Waddles, uh, who I recently did a profile on for the Long Beach Post and who's a, um, uh, a, a fan of ours and uh, we're a fan of his both as a teacher and he also has a, a great blog on Stanford football, uh, the college, not the middle school, can be a little confusing sometimes. That Stanford, um, that Stanford flag football team going to do damage this year, though, so I've heard. Uh, well, he was knocked him out of the playoffs earlier this week, but show, 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 show. Um, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I believe Rogers beat Hughes for the all city uh, division one flag football championship on Saturday, by the way. And I think Stanford girls volleyball beat Hughes for the division one all city middle school championship. But Hank's question was, um, can you compare uh, this Long Beach poly defense to who Los Al has played so far this season? I think that's a great, particularly on the defensive side. I think that's a great question. If you're just um, I, I've, I've caught a couple of Los Al games, um, I wasn't as sure as JJ, but I had an idea. We might kind of get to see those guys at some point in the playoffs. Um, the numbers that they put up this year are just nuts. And even if you haven't seen a game, you can see this. Uh, they're an eight and two football team. Their only two losses are to a team from Florida and a team from Arizona against the competition in California. They've been pretty unbelievable. They scored 69 points against Santa Margarita 
at Vets. They scored 47 against Servite. They scored 61 against Newport Harbor. They scored 49 against CDM. They scored 52 points against an Edison team that's in Division One that we've seen and that we thought very highly of. And last week they scored 48 points uh, against Huntington Beach. Oh, excuse me, and 68 against Fountain Valley. I would say absolutely you think that the Long Beach Poly defense is better than those teams. And not surprisingly, if you look at their two losses, it was against the two best defenses they played, and they scored 27 and 28 points in those games. They were also a younger team. Damian Henderson, the Jordan star running back, who is their running back, was newer in that offense. And I'll say he had some clips against that Edison team that Eric Sondheimer is tweeting out that you're just like, man, I miss that kid. <laughs> He's breaking five tackles, two of which are from Division I prospects, right? Um, so I think that this poly defense is better for sure than the teams that they've played. I think you could say that both like your impression. And I think that's sort of provable. Um, the question is just going to be pressure where poly won that game against mission Viejo was they got to missions quarterback more than mission got to Darius Curry. Um, and if they can get Malachi Nelson, one of the top high school quarterbacks in the country, if they can get him uncomfortable, if they can make a move around, they're going to have a much better chance. And um, so far, they've done that in every game they've played. They've not played a quarterback who came out of that game with a clean jersey. And I think that that really look like, you know, DBs are, are great in Southern California. Polly's got a really good group of DBs. But so do some of those teams that Los Al put up big points on. To me, that battle of that front seven trying to get to Nelson will be the big, big storyline. And we'll obviously talk about that more when we get closer to the game. Well, and what's interesting is that we don't really have a great read of where Polly's defense is right now, because we're talking about how Polly has played throughout the course of the season. And obviously they have some really great performances early, but they haven't really been tested at all in the Moore League, obviously. So how can we really say how much improvement has happened for that group? You know, we go back to that, um, that Mission Viejo game is obviously a great display of the capacity of that defense, but you're you're talking about a group that has improved because of coaching, because of, you know, getting guys healthier, getting them more experience. So we really don't know what, what Polly's defense is at full capacity, but we will certainly find out on the 11th. You know, I've got some, okay, two things are going to happen uh, on the 11th at vets very early in the game that are basically going to tell us what the game's going to be like. You're going to have to tune in next week to the next podcast to find out what those two things are. A little spoiler alert is what we call that in the business. Um, but uh, but there's going to be something that happens based on what you two just said that I think is going to decide the football game. And it's going to happen early, so you got to pay attention to it. But you're going to have to tune in next week to find out what it is. Um, the, obviously, Long Beach Poly Losal, marquee game, obviously. But I am just as excited for the possibility of Milliken and Lakewood finding some playoff success. Full stop. Milliken was a play away, inches away from winning their first round matchup last year on the road in a great, great game. That would have been a huge upset if they win that thing. Lakewood back in the playoffs. First time in two seasons, and they get to do it on the newly refurbished new field turf, John Ford Stadium in the first season where they actually get to play at home on campus again. The last time they played a playoff game there, guys, it was on grass. That's how long ago it was. Crazy. So Milliken and Lakewood, obviously, we should be very excited. And Mike, you brought up a great point when we were looking at the rankings yesterday trying to predict where these teams would land. 
Milliken is really, really close to where Polly was last year. That is a huge tip of the cap to the Milliken football players because they went through a lot this season, a lot of stuff that they did not control, a lot of things that adults did that affected them adversely. And here they are sitting in Division Four with a chance to make some noise. Way to go, Rams. You guys really beat through some adversity this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you pointed out that that game last year, JJ, going to Camarillo. Camarillo, again, the one seed in Billiken's bracket just in D4. Um, but another tough, uh, tough matchup, certainly. You have to go uh, on the road. And that's the interesting things with how the home games fall and don't fall. Uh, Lakewood being at home, Milliken needing to go on the road. And that's going to be a 50-mile drive um, up to the uh, Santa Clarita Valley. So um, the Saugus matchup will be a challenge. Um, and, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a similar story to, to what we just kind of said for Polly a little bit is, you know, Milliken's had, <laughs> they haven't really had a lot of like competitive action the last few weeks. Um, they had a bye, they played Cabrillo last week. So um, to kind of like fire that back up and go behind enemy lines in a tough, um, a tough road environment here. It's, it, it, it's, it does harken back to last season, how much improvement there with more experience on the roster fewer sophomores, more juniors, you know, can they, you know, circle the wagons and get that done? It'll be a fascinating matchup. I can't wait for it. Going to be very fascinating. Going to be also fascinating to see a Milliken team from Long Beach go down there where there's been, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it, there's been it, a, a uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to say, <laughs> Why don't you go take it? <laughs> okay, I, I'll, t- I'll take it. So, you know, the, the additional context on the Saugus football team up in the Santa Clarita Valley this year is, um, and there's quite a bit of additional context, actually, even beyond, I think, our own personal feelings about this subject. Um, you know, they were fl- they were running out with a thin blue line flag, um, you know, that's sort of like the, the Blue Lives Matter pro-police, pro-law enforcement, I think is what they're calling it, pro-law enforcement flag. Um, and their school district told them they had to stop doing it, you know, and the school district said, this is a divisive symbol. It's a symbol that bothers a lot of people. The football team's response was we had a school shooting at this school and we maybe have different feelings about law enforcement and the necessity of law enforcement or whatever than people who work in a school district administrative office might. Um, our own personal feelings on all that aside, at uh, you know, a couple of years back when um, the when players were kneeling during the national anthem in the NFL, Long Beach football teams were kneeling during the national anthem. The Long Beach Poly football team knelt and put their fists up in the air during the national anthem. There are just, I'm not getting into the right and wrong. There's a thousand different takes on all this stuff. It's just very different viewpoints regionally between Long Beach and Saugus about what that flag represents or means. And I think it's safe to say that that is absolutely a part of the storyline as Milliken goes up there. And I'll just add this on because I've heard from, you know, I've got a ton of friends who went to Milliken. I have friends of friends with some of the parents, friends of the coaches over there. There's a feeling that like that flag represents why when Milliken goes to Saugus, they're like, we better beat these guys by two touchdowns because we don't have a lot of trust in the refs out of area and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that stuff is a big, to me, that's what high school football is about. That's what high school sports are about. You don't have these huge American culture clashes in the professional level or very rarely in the collegiate level. But in high school sports, look, we all talk about a lot of my conceptions 
of race and justice come from being from Long Beach and having friends on the poly football team who played in South Orange County. That's where a lot of my views of America come from, is growing up and seeing those differences and the ways that power is used against people. So um, I, I don't shy away from telling those stories. And I think that is mm-hmm. stuff we should be talking about. I'm sure that Romeo Pelham is going to be talking about it with his team. Um, but yeah, that's absolutely a, a part of the story of this football game. And that doesn't take away. We're obviously going to spend plenty of time talking about the kids and the story of the game on the field. Uh, but I'm glad you brought that up, JJ, because I did want to I did want to bring that up on the pod. I also want to make sure that throughout the week, and we, like I said, we're going to have a podcast next week that's going to obviously be previewing the second round games for Millican and Lakewood because they're going to win and the LoSal Poly matchup. We will also have a Millican Lakewood preview this week that's going to break down the games when we go out to practice, you know, obviously kind of get a look at what they're doing maybe get a closer look at some of their opponents as well. But I want to make sure that we keep this in mind at all times when we're talking about this issue specifically with like what Mike said, a culture clash in America, which is what makes this place great. Let's be honest with ourselves. In this situation, you have two groups of people who are trying to make sure one thing is true. My child is safe. That's it. That's what people are concerned with. The way in which you skin that cat is up to you. If you think that that means you need to support your local law enforcement, if you think that means we need uh, to reform law enforcement and what people like that are, uh, are responsible for or how they're educated and that stuff, that is up to you. That's what makes America great. So I know there's going to be people on Twitter and on Instagram and stuff bandying back and forth on stuff like this. But keep in mind, high school football, this type of thing, this is all about trying to keep our kids safe. Not mutually exclusive viewpoints, by the way. I just throw that in there. <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah, but grant sure. the premise when you're out. No, 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 no. You're, no, you're absolutely premise. right. It's presented as that's the that's the back and forth, and it's like I, I actually almost everyone I know wants both of those. You know, feels some extent of both of those. I'd things. hope so. <laughs> no, I I thought all things had to be a binary choice, Mike. Uh, right. Sorry. <laughs> breaking um no but i i think to sort of build off that it, it really does all come down to like perspective and context because it, it wasn't as very recent that millican had um someone shot and killed by law enforcement feet from campus so that is a very fresh uh situation for millican and i didn't even i didn't well. even, i didn't even think about that connection that's a great point there i yeah. mean it honestly sort of feels almost like a movie script that these right. two schools with these two backgrounds uh, genuinely it's kind of like a Disney movie of like very different perspectives and you know you were talking about you know it being kind of the best of high school football Mike I, you know it really is like you know two different communities with very different like stories and backgrounds and everything else but they're they're gonna come together and play each other and hopefully shake hands after the game and talk with their shoulder pads and, and just play and hopefully play a sport that they both love and that is meaningful to them. We don't know what's going to happen before or during the game with whether they're going to have the flag or not. They had it in their last game um, that they played, even though, as you said, Mike, the district said that they were not allowed to. They did it anyway. We're not here to, like, judge or care about that. It's really – it is about the game. It is about the success of the students. But there is this broader context that I think adds a little interest, intrigue, some excitement – I don't think Saugus would have been a national uh, story without (laughs) this. You know, I mean, it was sort of like a national news thing that there was this um, sort of controversy going on within the district. But 
um, certainly adds more to it. And, you know, let's, let's play football and, and hopefully have a really entertaining uh, evenly matched playoff football game uh, with a good atmosphere and, and none of the too much of the extra stuff causing issues or distractions. Speaking of evenly matched football teams, I think we are going to get a barn burner when Hemet comes to Lakewood for that first round matchup in division eight on Friday. Uh, all due respect to the uh, Rancho Mirages, uh, Rialto's, Rancho Christians, and Canyon Springs of the world. Uh, Hemet has a very good defense, but they have not seen guys like Zion Smith running between the numbers and the sideline. This reminds me a lot of the way we were looking at the brackets last year when Jordan got in and we're like, hmm, do you think anybody that Jordan's going to play this year has tried to tackle a guy like Jordan Washington? Probably not. So I think this is a uh, unstoppable force and movable object matchup between a Lakewood offense that is just exploding right now over 90 points in two weeks. Incredible stuff from an offense that struggled early on in the year and a Bulldogs defense in Hemet that has given up less than 150 points this season. So I am really excited to see that matchup. Obviously, Justin Uchupo, head coach over there at Lakewood and his staff waiting in the coach's office this morning, you guys, at 945 with their phones in hand. As soon as the brackets come down, they are texting all of their quote-unquote contacts to get as much film as possible. Hemet and Lakewood exchanging film at like 10 or 10.05. When I was talking to Tupo, he's like, They got on, cameras gotta... out there? They got cameras out there in Hemet? Is that technology made its way to Hemet, JJ? Oh, hey, yo. Bazinga, Cowtown USA, let's go. <laughs> they're still, they're, is that film cut up with razors and, and uh, being handed off on a VHS tape, or do they have a huddle link in Hemet? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, uh, I played high school football out there as well, so I know uh, I know all the Hemet jokes. Uh, I, I believe. Uh, I'm to make that joke. We're allowed to make that joke. JJ's I'm gonna from hold. Out there. I'm gonna hold the Hemet jokes for next week. Um, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to put together some numbers and run some mathematics on that. But we'll figure oh. out. We'll figure out what's going on with all of these high school football games. Coming up on Friday, guys, this is what we live for, bro. This is why I'm in the business, man. It's like these games, these moments, the moment where you know you're 17 years old, but you're going to remember what happens in the next 17 seconds for the rest of your life. That is that is peak human experience, and we are absolutely here for it. Um, I broke Mike. Uh, so we do, we do, we do, we do, we do, we do have a couple other reader questions. Let's get into these reader questions before we get out of here. Okay. Last thing, last thing on Hemet, Hemet backwards is Teme. So Teme. that's exciting. <laughs> that's exciting. Okay. Um, we've talked about the, the first reader question. We've talked about the teams that got in these three teams and listen, I'm, I am genuinely bummed out. Cause I thought what we were talking about this yesterday. I thought Jordan Compton, St. Anthony and Wilson all had a pretty decent shot to get in these playoffs. None of them get in as an at-large. Um, this to me feels more like how high school football was for the first 10 years of our career. The three best teams played all season, proved they were the three best teams and they got into the playoffs. Last year was an anomaly and it was a great anomaly for a couple of the, for three of the programs I just mentioned where Jordan uh, gets in as an at-large and makes a run to the division 10 championship game. Compton makes a run to the division 12 championship. Um, and 
this year those teams didn't get in we did have a couple of readers ask um you know why did that happen i i'll say this division 14 did not have as they did last year they had they had multiple sub 500 at large teams last year division 14 the um the the bottom division of the cif of this new format only had a couple at larges and only one of them was under 500. so uh, most of the teams that i just mentioned several of the teams i just mentioned would have been that's sort of what they were looking at uh south del monte and i could not tell you why south del monte gets in at four and six over Wilson, you know, at Forest, I don't know why that is. Um, their strength of schedule is quite bad. It's a negative 28.3. Uh, they're ranked number 312, which is, you know, basically right around where Cabrillo was. Um, Linwood did make it into that Division 14 playoffs, which Cabrillo uh, beat Linwood on the field. Um, so, but by and large, the answer to the question of why these teams didn't get in is more teams qualified automatically this year. Um, and that leads into the second uh, question that I wanted to bring up, which is our guy, Ron Antoinette, um, who's uh, heavily involved over there, Milliken. He said, you know, given the, this new computer ranking system, just reflecting on our podcast discussion from a couple of weeks ago, wouldn't being in more balanced leagues for football help the Long Beach schools in the long run, better October games, more top three finishers and fairer schedule strengths. Yes, this is why. I wrote the column about should Polly still be in the more league or not. And that question tends to, because as we mentioned, like the attention always goes towards the top, that question tends to be discussed in terms of how it would benefit or not benefit Polly. The reason that I put half of that article dedicated to how would it benefit or not benefit the more league is for this exact reason. Cabrillo does not have a chance realistically to be in the top three in the more league. If you look at the other regional leagues that are in like the press telegram area that we used to cover, they broke up those leagues so that the bottom teams would be like in the 605 league and have a chance to compete. And Artesia gets to go to a CIF championship last year by doing that. So that is worth looking at. I, you know, I think ultimately the Long Beach Unified School District wants to kind of keep its chickens in one roost. And I understand that. That's why Cabrillo was brought into the Moore League. They were not in the Moore League for the first several years of their competition. I understand the simplicity and the ease of it, but there is absolutely no question. You literally could do the following. You have the Moore League, M-O-O-R-E. It's Polly, Wilson, Lakewood, Milliken, and that's it. There's four teams there. The top two of them are going to the playoffs. You could then do the Moore League, M-O-R-E, and it's Jordan, Compton, and Cabrillo. And guess what? One or two of those teams gets to go to the playoffs on an auto bid. It's up to leagues to figure out how they want to navigate this new system, but it's very clear in looking at the lower-level teams in Long Beach that did not get into the playoffs and then looking like a team like Linwood that did, that did get into the playoffs – other leagues are navigating this new system with a little bit more attention to its loopholes and inefficiencies than the more league is. And whether anyone chooses to do anything about that or not, I'm not taking a position on it one way or another. I'm just saying that's the reason why Linwood in the mid cities league has a schedule that allows them to apply and get in as an at large. And some of the other teams from Long Beach did not. So it kind of depends on what you want. You know, do you want to be in the league? Do you want to play those, you know, local rivals? Do you want to be part of that? You, you want the history? The yeah, right. Or do you want like a clearer, simpler, cleaner path to getting the automatic qualification into the playoffs? But ultimately, 
these teams need to be over 500 as well. That also would greatly help their case. You know what I mean? There are fewer at-larges, but you know, we're still figuring out, this is only year two of this new system, yeah. but like you would be in a much more uh, advantageous spot to get into the playoffs if you were over 500. So if you're talking about ending up like fourth or fifth place in the league, not in that guaranteed top three, but also having a winnable non-league schedule, that is also a path into the playoffs. But let, let's talk. Let's talk about scheduling because that um, that factors into this in a huge way. Do you feel that Jordan and Cabrillo both go four and zero in the um, they go four and zero in the non league schedule? Did that non league schedule prepare them for the more league? You know, when 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 you look at what the results in league versus out of league are, because that five hundred is a really tricky balance in a league as big as the more league. 60% of your 10 games are in the league. So you need to either win three, go three and three in the league, which is, you know, Milliken, Lakewood, Poly get three wins out of the league. But those are the teams that got the three wins in the league. So you've got to then win half of your uh, non-league games. If you win four non-league games, you've got to set it up to go then win a couple of league games. It's got to prepare you for the league. And that's the balance that I think coaches have to figure out. And if you look at Jordan and Cabrillo, for example, two very different programs, Jordan coming off a CIF championship appearance for the first time in program history, trying to put together a schedule to take the next step. I'm not sure that you would say that that schedule did. I don't think John Nielsen would necessarily say that that schedule did. And I don't think he put any of the schedule together. I think that was kind of in place when he came in. You look at Cabrillo, there's a program looking to just exist and build and grow in numbers. So their non-league schedule going 4-0 and and then not necessarily being as ready to hang in the more league where even the sixth place team beat them pretty handily. I think they probably still feel pretty good about that because they got to win four games. They get to sell that to kids that they're trying to bring to campus and everything else. But all of the, look like the deal with this system, I made the analogy previously that like, this is like the globalizing of an economy. Everything matters. Now, every single piece of your season is connected to every other single piece and to whether or not you get into the playoffs. And so from the structure of the league to the way you schedule non-league games, all of that's got to be factored in by any coach that's actually trying to steer their ship in the direction that they're pointing it. You know, it's just a different ocean to navigate. And if you're trying to sail in the Pacific ocean, when you're in the Atlantic, you're not going to end up where you're trying to go. Well, and, and we're going to get, we're going to learn more every year because every year you get more examples of how things played out, what worked for some teams, what didn't work for others, you know, how many teams got in, where they got placed. So if coaches really want to dive into this, the more years that we have of this, the more it'll be pretty obvious what the blueprint should be for each individual program. Cause obviously all of them are very different. Also must be said, this is brand new. I think Tyler mentioned it early. So you can't really predict something that you haven't seen happen multiple times. Well, I've had so many people hit me up yesterday and today, a lot of whom are involved in high school football who are asking questions that very, very clearly state, I don't know what's going on. So if that's the, if that's the case, yeah, we will absolutely see people uh, manipulate schedules and leagues in order to try to put their kids in the best position to have postseason success. Cause like I said earlier, that is the peak of high school existence is those postseason games. Who cares what number division is on the banner? It's a banner. So if I'm getting, if I'm getting these calls of, can you explain to me dot, dot, dot? Yeah. There's a lot more change coming for local high school sports. 
Yeah, uh, and I, I did have one last question. It's exactly what you just thought. I had a, we had a number of people ask us, or I had a couple of people reach out and say, why is X team who finished better in their league or who had a better record traveling to someone else? Hemet traveling to Lakewood is a great example, right? If you're Hemet and you're going, well, hold on, look at our league finish and look at their league finish. That's what used to determine home and away game. Why are we going there? Um, the answer to that question is this is a new format and they don't care as much about those things. They care about where you fall in this Cal preps ranking system. There is a wealth of information out there for any coaches who want to learn more on our website and many other websites about what that ranking system values and how to move up in it. But that is how you could theoretically have, and I don't think you do a third place team from a league as the one seed hosting a league champion as the 16 seed because the ranking system says, and I would throw in again, I agree with the rankings. I agree with the orders that they have the teams in. The ranking system says that the one team, the one seed is higher ranked than the 16 seed and deserves to host a game. So from that point on, it's all coin flips the way that it's always been. Um, but to see these brackets one through 16, which is the only way to create 14 new playoff divisions every year, you have to say this is the first best team. This is the 16th best team in the division. Um, once they're seated, I think you kind of have to go with the higher ranked team for the home game. And, and that's what they did. But to JJ's point, I would say this. I think two years into this system, if you are if you're a coach or an AD and you don't understand how this stuff works, I'm not this. I don't have a postgraduate degree in rocket science. This stuff is not that hard to figure out. There's a lot of complexity to it, but it is also like incumbent on everyone who's involved in this to figure it out. You know, like, mm -hmm. like I said, if you're charged with steering a ship, uh, you've got to know how to navigate the ship. Right. And, and sort of going, Oh, well, this is the way it always was. It's not like this is the first time the playoff format has changed for a number of decades when Polly was winning um, the Pac-5 conference or whatever, or, or not the previous to Pac-5. Uh, I forget what, what it was regional. So at one time, like, I mean, if you look at like the late 70s and the early 80s, Milliken's playing Compton for a CIF championship. Polly's in the CIF championship against another local team. Like that was a system that everyone figured out because it was the new system. Oh, okay. We need to figure out where we rank in our area because that's who we're going to be against in the playoffs. And then this is a new system and it is globalized because it's everyone in one bucket. And so it is more complicated, but it is also the system. So keep reaching out to JJ, keep reaching out to me, but like, <laughs> we'll, we're trying to educate and explain this stuff to people because ultimately knowledge of this system is going to be a pretty big part of whether or not our area continues to be successful in football. Facts, complete facts. Somebody, somebody thought how many points you scored in a football game mattered. They're like, oh, if we score this amount of points, we'll make the playoffs. Come on, man. Get right. I'm, I'm freaking pumped. Let's go. I'm ready to run through a wall right now. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is a – look, this is a great, these are great draws for the Long Beach teams. I'm going no to wear my Long Beach versus everybody shirt all week. That thing is going to smell ripe on Friday. AJ's going to be sticky, smell like but, the football he's, teams. but he was right about Polly LaSalle. But he was right about Polly LaSalle. When you're you smelling JJ, you remember right. that he was right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's freaking go. All right. We're going to make it out of our practices uh, this week. Like I said, we're going to have a couple more podcasts before that Polly LaSalle game. More podcasts before these games on Friday for Millican and Lakewood. Get to the 562.org. Get involved. Join the party. 
It's Long Beach Sports, and it just doesn't get any better than this. For Mike and for Tyler and for JJ and for everybody else at the 562.org, we love you, Long Beach, and we will see you in the stands.